Hello, everyone. Welcome to the MindSpark podcast. Thank you for joining us again. I'm your host, JP, and I'm joined by my co-host and producer of the podcast, Stephen Sparkman. Hey, Stephen. Hey, how's it going? Um, so last episode, we talked about design thinking, and we really saw how impactful design thinking has been in a lot of creative people's strategies for just going about their uh, creative process and right. um, making their projects. So today, we're going to get to talk about game design and it's really an extension of this concept of like you can design your way out of a problem right um, and in this in, in this aspect it really applies to um, translating a, a concept that you really understand right. and using the power of creation and maker spaces to you know express mastery by turning that idea into a game right I, I definitely think so um, it's really neat how we see people today taking their creative ideas of just things in the real world and turning them into games through the power of a makerspace, you know, mm-hmm. learning how to code and um, how to draw to create sprites and things like that. It's, it's pretty amazing and how we're taking creative ideas and of design and putting into game making. Speaking of game making, though, um, what do we have for today, JP? Today we're joined by a really interesting guest. His name is Jeremy Kincaid, and he is a teacher at Prosper ISD and a librarian and a writer. He has a lot of connections in the game development industry, and he really excels at creating fun and inclusive space for kids. So I really hope uh, you enjoy this conversation. We get to talk a little bit about game design and how he has applied game design over the years. And yeah, I hope you enjoy. Apologies for the terrible audio quality. We did have to record out of our space. Um, so uh, one of the things I use as a teacher of game design uh, is the Stanford design model. Um, okay. It's a six-step process, empathize, define, ideate, prototype, test, and assess. Uh, and each of those six steps um, highly benefits from a space like a makerspace, hmm. um, whether it's the physical production end of things uh, yeah. or the collaborative uh, environment. Yeah, it's like it's like because in my mind, like in my experience, even just working at the factory this last few years, I've seen those fields meld together. Like I've seen the like the gamers and the people that actually design games and people that don't know anything about like I've seen them just like melt together in our makerspace and they've like still been able to figure it out you know people that use 3d printing to print parts of their games and all that stuff the the design process um no matter what form it is always starts with uh empathizing with your your audience or your customer Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. and knowing what they need and what they want um so being able to meet with those kind of people uh seeing what their skills are um you can all you can find ways to collaborate you can also figure out what it is that your product needs to do uh, and yeah. when it comes to game design, that is simple as asking people questions about what they like or don't like about games yeah. or um, uh, making them play games and just yeah. seeing what works and what doesn't. Right. Uh, and just having that space where you can collaborate in that way. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because like last week, our topic was actually not last week, but our last episode, our topic was actually um, just design thinking in general. Like how can you use design thinking to your benefit in a makerspace and the end of that conversation kind of saw us just talking about how it's all really about people like 
you can do all the strategizing you want and like all the planning, but it really comes down to how are people going to use this thing that I'm making. Hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, you can reinvent something all you want uh, to fit what you want, and that's great if you're going to be using it yourself, but if you want to market it, mm-hmm. it always has to be about what the end user needs yeah. uh, or thinks they need. Um, that's important so, too. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, so yeah, if you can convince them that you, they need what your product is, wonderful. Uh, otherwise, yeah. what's the point? Yeah, that's true. Um, there's this quote I saw from an article on Game Industry Biz, and it says, I want people to look at games and interactive experiences as not just entertainment, but more like a good book or a movie. Oh, yeah. Is that Has that been true for you in your experience with game design? Uh, absolutely. We're in a, a if in when it comes to games, we're in a place that you can't just make Pong, something mm-hmm. that's just a mechanical thing that is repetitive. There has to mm-hmm. be story attached to it. There has yeah. to be um, something that engages the mind uh, creatively and imaginatively. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, as a matter of fact, imagine imagination often inputs those things that you cannot construct in the game um so often we want to make realism uh Mm. in in our mechanics but sometimes it's not possible with what game design is capable of doing at the current uh, time so you have to create a space where that imaginative storytelling kind of fills that gap Mm. that's that's really insightful um at the risk of me sounding too hippie like or something I really feel like just seeing how things are progressing, like it's it's almost like an expansion of consciousness. Like the way games are like, you know, basically our new books or like what books would have been to people who, you know, like had like just found themselves with free time in the past. You know, like more kids are into like that's what that's literally just what captures their attention in the world that we live in. So it really speaks to something if we can if we can find a way to create games that I guess make people interested, make people invested, make people want to maybe even go behind the scenes more and say, you know what, I didn't like how this game felt. Maybe I should use that impetus to create my own game, create my own character, right. or something like this. Absolutely, yeah. That's that's the the process that uh, I think creatives usually take, uh, at least in the beginning, is what do I not like and how can I change it. Um, but when it comes to, to gaming, and this is a great place where the makerspace is a, is a service for people in game design, uh, we're moving in a direction where video games are an, reinventing themselves with uh, virtual reality right. um, and all these new technologies that most people can't afford. Uh, and even mm-hmm. if they could afford, it's really not worth it for what the experience might be currently right but yeah. having the access for vr headsets uh, the ability to program through unity uh, and those kind of things in a makerspace opens up a lot of of avenues and doors for people who um normally can't experience this new wave of game right exactly and that's really that's really the point we're trying to set across like you, you basically said it in one sentence right there <laughs> um so yeah um have have you had any opportunities to create um, more of those spaces for kids? Uh, so I worked a little bit with the UNT uh, makerspace when I was working at UNT. 
uh, with the media library. So we, of course, were more the consumption end of things. Um, and uh, what was the factory? Y'all are Spark now, if I'm correct? Yes, we yes. are the Spark. <laughs> Spark, which I think is wonderful. Um, so uh, we collaborated quite a bit. Um, at UNT, I ran a, a board game workshop um, for a few years, a board game design workshop, where yeah. uh, we took them through the Stanford model uh, and collaborated with the makerspace to um, help people create the prototypes of the games that they're creating. Mm -hmm. um, we never stepped it up into uh, video games or um, virtual reality, purely because in a hour and a half a week for a semester, it's very difficult to teach all the skills you need to make a video yeah. game. Yeah. Um, there's a reason why we have an entire degree plan based around it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I uh, um, want to check it out. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, if you want to do uh, game design, definitely check out the classes UNT has. Yeah. But uh, um, the ability to 3D model um, mm -hmm. or 3D print, um, and cr when it comes to creating boards, being able to uh, etch on any material really yeah. large-scale printing um unt has multiple services that can help with that yeah um but it's um it's difficult a lot of times to get through that prototype phase uh in the mm. board game industry we uh tell people to use um index cards and just regular seven set dice D and D dice for anytime you need dice and uh, poster board, so uh, prototyping is fairly easy there. But uh, um, usually, when you want to take it to that next step, make it presentable for a publisher, or to take to a conference or something that's beyond just showing your friends and figuring out what works and doesn't. Um, very few people have the ability to produce those kind of materials. Right. Yeah. For sure. Um, so Steven, have you had any experience with game design at all? Um, not as much as I would. I, I say I work a lot in physical realm with, you know, CAD and so I guess where my experience is, is in 3D models and CAD and whatnot. Like I've been really getting into Blender and video tracking. I think where my experience merges with game design is how close we are the production realm. Like in video production, mm -hmm. we're in Blender. We're creating uh, motion tracking. We're um, using uh, generating fluids and all that for our our production. And I think that's where video production and game design is coming right in hand in hand because you're getting these these cinematics and all these cutaways that are these high level uh, you know these high level productions yeah. of uh, uh, of um, of different landscapes and things that are the same type of technologies that we're using to mesh these into movies and things. So I, yeah. I think that's where my experience is. But I know from friends and colleagues talking about the back end of it, of how, um, of just, you know, getting the bare bones. Like I was watching my friend try to get a, uh, just a simple um, player model to walk around a, uh, a set that he made. And he was, I think he was doing it in Unity. And, you know, he's like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> he was trying to yeah. figure it out. And I was like, it's a lot. Yeah, yeah you, you, there's, yeah. You, we're getting into this new area where we're not creating video or audio. We're creating mm -hmm. a universe. 
pretty much digitally. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we have to yeah. define all the parameters of how yeah. this universe acts. For sure. And I, I, I feel it's really interesting how it ties back to what you said, Jeremy, and how you really have to just use what resources you have available to you to create the best you can make, you know. Like you said, the, these in these industries overlap. Video game design um, uses so many different people. Nowadays, one person can't make a quality video game. Right. Um, right. You need uh, 3D animators. Uh, you need uh, 3D designers. You need concept artists. Um, there's hundreds of jobs between audio and and visuals and programming and uh, logic and storytelling. Um, all of these different industries kind of meshing together um, and we're using the same tools right. when I yeah. when I went to to college for my degree in video game design um, the dean of our school was uh, he invented a uh, tool that's used in Maya really and uh, that tool was then used to uh, animate Shrek hmm which oh. means he was a millionaire, um, <laughs> but that tool was made for game design and it was used for uh, for video production. Right. So really, I mean, we're using the same tools. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Like it's it's really just melding together at this point. Mm -hmm. So, with all of this happening, where do you feel the future lies? Like, what where, what are we going towards? Like, what's the goal? Uh, in in the gaming industry, um, immerse immersion really. Um, mm, for sure. Immersive experiences is uh, always has always been the goal. Um, yeah. I mean, if you look in science fiction literature, everything mm -hmm. has always pointed in that direction. We invented yeah. virtual reality eighty years before it was possible. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. We had the thought of it. Um, and so when you read books or watch movies that involve these these fully immersed um, environments where you're using all these sensations that are more than just visual and, and auditory, um, I think we're pushing in that direction. I don't think we're there yet, mm, but sure. um, we're reaching. Yeah, and, like we're, we, we're just going to keep pushing the technology as far as it can go in that sense. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this has been a great discussion, even though it's it feels a little bit short. I feel like everything you like you just have so much experience in you, and I can I can just feel it from this discussion. Um, so thank you so much for doing this. Where can people reach you? Um, so the easiest way to get a hold of me, uh, I'm always uh, willing to receive emails. Mm -hmm. um, my uh, email address is General Kincaid. Old gamer tag yeah. um, <laughs> from my uh, RTS days. Um, well. So, uh, General Kincaid at Gmail, uh, if anyone has any questions. Um, like I've said before, I teach uh, game design at the high school level. If anyone has any questions on how to incorporate gaming into uh, educational practices, uh, that's what I do. Mm -hmm.